Turn in your Bibles with me, if you would, to the chapter of 1 Corinthians 2. Uh, if you're using a Bible from the pew, that would be page 807. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to be beginning in verse 6. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. We are beginning a series today on foundational truths to shape your life. I usually do this in my Timothy class, Bible studies, smaller group settings where we can box with each other mentally, questions and answers. But I think uh, in light of the times and the fact that I've wrestled, I was going to do 2 Corinthians, I wanted to do 1 Peter, I wanted to do uh, Proverbs, I, want, I landed on doing this. And so I'm going to be here for a while. Keep those notes that you got because I'm going to crawl my way through them as much as I want or as little as I want. Today we're going to be looking at the Bible, a revelation from God. Let me say something to you about the context that we live in right now as a culture. Truth, what is it? You remember, that's what Pilate said to Jesus. What is the truth? Where would you go to find the truth today? A politician? A party? Maybe the media? 
It just depends on which one you're taking. I take time. It's a waste, but at least I know what's being told. We're used to being lied to all the time. Something that's scary today is that as a philosophical setting of a postmodern, post-Christian culture, here's the consensus, and you folks over 45, you're clueless about it because you haven't grown up on it, and that is that truth doesn't exist, that there is no such thing as objective truth outside of me. There's only my opinion versus your opinion, and since there is no truth to arbitrate, uh, the best we can do is tolerate each other because neither one of us are any more right or any more wrong than the other. Do you understand? So if you have no umpire, if I say they're safe and you say they're out, it's all in the eyes that saw it and who's right, who's wrong. Nobody's right, nobody's wrong. Let's just have a good time going to hell together. Because there are no absolutes. Truth has moved from being objective outside of me to subjective. Now, now we've kept some objective truths, and the main one we've kept it is economics. If the bank says I'm overdrawn, and I say, but I feel like I've got an extra thousand there. Who's right? I got a feeling. It just comes over me once in a while that I've got more money than I've actually got. And I'm spending like it. And, and the bank's coming back and saying, no, no our, our records say, well, wait, you don't know. I'm postmodern. I don't believe truth exists. And the bank says, we don't care what your philosophy is. Your account says you're overdrawn. So we keep absolutes. At least I want a banker, because when I put in 1,000, I don't want him to have a subjective experience that says it's 500. Do you understand me? I want objectivity when they're operating on my brain. I don't want him to get in there and wait. I'm waiting for the spirit to come over. No, did you graduate? As David and I asked, how many of these have you done before? Has anyone survived that you've done it to? Do you know what I mean? So we're living in a culture when it comes to morals, ethics, uh, worldview, religion. Everything is in this quasi uh, I, I feel spiritual. You'll, you'll see people like, I feel spiritual. Well, what does that mean? You're high? <laughs> LSD will make you feel spiritual too. That's what Timothy Leary said. Take LSD. But be sure you don't jump because you may be three stories up. Another one of the great contributions of Berkeley to us is LSD. How to blow your mind in one easy lesson. So when the nothing exists, we bought into existentialism. This is the only thing that really counts is what I'm experiencing right now. There's no history. There's no tomorrow. We might as well get high and go out high because there's nothing to live for anyway. And that was the 60s revolution. Or then we have empiricism. 
that says, I don't believe anything I can't touch, feel, or put under a microscope. If I can't see it, touch it, and appraise it on a tangible, empirical aspect, scientifically, it doesn't exist. So if I can't see your brain, I have no proof you've got one. If I haven't seen it, it doesn't exist. Then you go to rationalism, that I invent truth. Truth, this is my truth. You hear this. This is my truth. Well, when you combine one fool's stupidity with another fool's, you still got foolishness. You've never gotten smarter. I feel this. You do. I feel this. You do. I feel like I'm in love. Matter of fact, I'm feeling out of love. I feel like I'm rich, but I'm broke. What feeling do you trust? Or, or let's move uh, internally. I trust my heart. It has never lied to me yet. Are you kidding? <laughs> it's been lying to you all your life. It's a deceptive mechanism. So you get people, I just go where my heart leads me. You're a dangerous person. I don't want to be around you. Because your heart may say choking. Your heart may say hating. So your heart is not an infallible guy. It's a deceptive guy. Now, let's look at Deuteronomy 29. I know many of you are in Deuteronomy all the time. Uh, which book of the Bible is it? Matthew, Mark, oh no, Genesis. Fifth, fifth book of the Pentateuch. Chapter 29, verse 29. Listen to what he says to Israel. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. People are always asking, why did that person die? Why did they get cancer? Why? Why? We only have answers to the things that have been revealed. All the secret things, we don't have an answer. We just said, we don't know. But the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. So what God really wants us to do as a nation, Israel, God has revealed it in the five books of Moses. And that's how they started the nation of Israel. Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians. And let's, I'm going to go even before where Timothy read, and we'll pick up verse 18. Three things I want us to look at. Three things out of this passage. Number one, the Bible is a divine revelation from God. The Bible is a divine revelation from God. Two, the Bible cannot be understood by those without the Spirit. Number three, we can understand the Bible, the revelation of God in the Bible, because the Spirit is our teacher. Is that simple enough? The Bible is a revelation from God. Two, you can't understand it without God's help because of our ignorance. Three, you can understand what God's revealed because he's given the Holy Spirit. Okay? Let's start the trip. Look at 1 Corinthians 1.18. 1 
The message of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Amazing. Same message, same event, two different reactions. One says it's stupid. The other says it's powerful. Who's right? Keeps on. He says, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom or the revelation of this world's knowledge? Has he not made it eh, foolish? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through its wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. He's saying, with the world's knowledge, you'll never know God. You can't. Study it all you want. So, we've given a revelation. Listen to what Plato gets this quote of a, a pagan Jew philosopher, one of the brilliant ones, he said this, Plato, one of the great philosophers of Greece said, we must lay hold of the best human opinion in order that born by it as on a raft, we may sail over the dangerous sea of life unless we can find a stronger boat or some sure word of God which will more surely and safely carry us. We must get a more sure word. Now, he is saying what the world calls folly is God's method of saving, the cross, Christ. But then he says, but by the world's wisdom, you will perish. The world doesn't know how to save anybody. The Jews demand signs, and the Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. It stumbles the Jews, and it is moronic to the Gentiles. But to those of us being called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God revealed in the cross is wiser than the wisdom of men. Do you see what he's setting up? He's talking to a church 40 miles from Athens, the intellectual center of the world at the time. And he's saying what comes out of Athens, Socrates, Plato, Euripides, Demosthenes, these men with all their philosophizing, they don't know, they don't have God's perspective, God's wisdom, God's method of saving. And they laugh at the cross. They say it's atrocious that God would send his son and for him to be killed. It's, it's, some call it cosmic child abuse. You expect us to base our life on a crucified man? It's stupidity. And the Jews that we agree, we're stumbling over it ourselves. We won't have such a Messiah. So he's dealing. There's two kinds of wisdom in the world. The wisdom of God revealed the wisdom of the philosophers of the age. Now, let's go down to chapter 2 and pick up verse 6. 
Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart, watch, a secret and hidden wisdom from God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. God has got this secret wisdom he's revealed. You can't get in on it. it, it it's, you got to know the code to even unlock it. The world doesn't get it. They despise it. They call it stupid. And he said, if the wise men of this age would have understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, watch now, what no eye has seen nor ear heard, that's empiricism, what you cannot discover under a microscope, what you can't feel, you can't, what eye nor ear cannot come up with. Two, nor the heart of man imagine, that's rationalism, what I can't invent with my mind, those things, things you can't tangibly verify, God created out of nothing. I've not seen it. I can't get it under a microscope. I don't believe it. So there. I don't need a God to create. I just need a good rationalistic mind that can invent something that sounds very evolutionary. I know how you can create without a creator. Just invent billions of years and leave it up to time and chance, and all of a sudden you got me. No wonder we believe we sprung from apes to meet some of us. That's rationalism. That's human invention. But watch. What God has prepared for those, no, no eye, no ear, the heart of man, Cannot imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. Put your hand uh, right there. Put your hand on the Bible. What's he talking about? Heaven. That's what usually we hear. I can't wait to go to heaven. Eyes not seen. Ears not heard. It's not entered into the heart of man. What heaven's going to be. Watch, watch now. Wait now. Look at your Bible. It's dangerous to open your Bible in church. You might learn something. Watch. Watch now, watch. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. What? What the human eye, the human heart cannot invent, think of. No human being ever dreamed up the doctrine of the Trinity. Whoever invented election and predestination, we're still trying to figure it out. We're still fighting about it. Who invented all this stuff that you could be uh, equal and yet someone's got to submit? Man, we've been fighting about that for a few millenniums. No, no. The doctrines of the Bible, no man, no woman ever invented. They were God's thoughts, God's mind, and he's revealed them to us, believers. The Bible is a revelation of God's mind and heart. Here's the question. How does God get what he thinks 
out of his head into my heart. That's the question. How can you know God? You don't even know who God is unless God discloses himself. God is not someone you invent or you discover. He has to be the revealer. No man can know the Father except the Son reveal him. No one can know the Son except the Father. You can't know God unless God discloses himself. You aren't in charge of knowing God. Now listen to what he says. But God has revealed these things to us who are believers. Now watch. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Not the depths of my heart, but the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person? In other words, our rationale, our human understanding. We understand other people because we have a human spirit. So who, who can do that which is in him? So also... No one comprehends the thoughts of God except the philosophy department at? Who, who comprehends the thoughts of God? The Spirit. And you don't have the Spirit because you're a Christian, right? I'm listening. This antiphonal, you're supposed to talk back. If you don't talk back, you get credit for ignorance. Who, who, who has the Spirit? How many have the Spirit? Three of you. Four. Five. Well, we're up to 20, 30. Good. The rest of you need to be saved. If you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you're none of His. We all have the Spirit that are saved, right? And where is He? In us. So far, so good. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world. What spirit did we get? But the spirit who is from God, and he came so that you could remain stupid about what God has revealed. Wait, 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 wait. He, the Holy Spirit, came in you that you can remain a dummy about your Bible. You can run a company, but you can't figure out the Bible. You know why men don't like to go to church? Men don't like to be around anything they're not good at. And since they can't hardly find Genesis, they don't want to go to church. Because when they come to church, they feel ignorant. And you know why they feel ignorant? They are ignorant. And ignorance is simply the Latin word is they don't know. What's the book of Colossians about? Tell me right now. You. You tell me what Colossians is about. What is the Gnostic heresy that he's refuting in the book of Colossians? Don't quote me some theologian. What does it say? Tell me. What is the book of Romans about? What is Hebrews about? Who is Melchizedek? Why don't you know? Why don't you know? Has God revealed his thoughts in the Bible? Some of you have been missing class because the Spirit constantly teaches these things. Do we know them? And notice this. Notice, we have not received the Spirit, but we've got the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. 
You know, the greatest sermon I have on this, the greatest living example I saw was a fourth-grade educated father that knew more Bible than any pastor we ever had because he couldn't get enough, and he climbed steel all day. He didn't work in a rest home. He was an iron worker, rivet guns, up in the air, dangerous work. Some men never came home. They just fell off the steel and died. You don't think it's dangerous? Ask my brothers. Being an iron worker working on a 30-story building isn't a kid's job. And then he'd get home at night, throw that metal hat down in a corner, eat dinner, and then sit, and he had a magnifying glass and one eye, and he would read and study the Bible for the next three hours till he went to bed. And he's only a fourth-grade educated man. You know what? He had a hunger for the book. You've got everything at your disposal. You've got Logos. You've got computer. You've got Twitter. You've got Trump. You've got, you got everything. <laughs> if you don't know, there's a reason why you don't know. There's a reason you don't know. Can you make it through life without a computer? I was at a shepherd's conference with John MacArthur, and they asked, uh, John, uh, what, what, which computer do you use and all like that? He said, I've never owned one. And everybody's astounded because all the guys around me, you know, they got the lap. What? You said, what? No, I, I wrote all my, my books. Have you ever heard of pen and paper? I wrote them. Chuck Swindoll, the same thing. I've never owned a computer. Well, you, you can't live in the modern age without a computer. They said, well, I've only written 50 books. How many have you written? With your computer. With your computer. When Luther wrote his commentaries, bigger than the Encyclopedia Britannica, it was with quill and paper. When Calvin wrote his Institutes, and when he wrote his commentaries from Geneva, it was with an ink pen and paper. And we're talking volumes. I've got them. I think uh, it's 20, 20 or 25 volumes of Calvin. And he wrote it with an ink pen. It was the printers that put it in print, but they had to take his notes. See, we got all this modern stuff at our hands, and our ignorance keeps growing. Because we'd rather know basketball scores than we would what Romans teaches. And so we're better at telling who's going to win the playoffs than we are who's going to win the battle of history. Listen to what he says. He keeps on. He said, and we impart what the Spirit is teaching. We impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. And what translation were you reading, Tim? It's better. It translates it's Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual is ESV. Poor translation. No, no. To, duh. No. No good. You want New American or NIV? NIV nailed it. What he's saying here in the Greek, he took two words for spiritual. One's masculine, one's neuter. And he says this. When God wanted to convey his thoughts to us, he did something remarkable. He moved upon these human writers, and he gave the thought he wanted them to write to it. Let's say his love or how to be saved. And he not only gave the thought, 
but he matched this thought with the exact vocabulary that would convey it best to human beings, and he matched spiritual words to spiritual thoughts so that his revelation, the thoughts and the very words that God wanted, so we believe every word of the Bible is breathed out by God. Not translations. The original, when the Greek and the Hebrew was written, God breathed it out, and we don't have just thoughts inspired and breathed out. We've got words, and the words match exactly the thoughts God wanted us to get. So number one, the Bible is a revelation revealed from God to his people. Number two, you can't understand it until you have the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 14. But the natural man, I'm a natural woman. No, no, this is natural man. That is a man apart from Christ. Without the Holy Spirit, this natural man, notice his incapacity, does not welcome the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he's not able, he's incapacitated to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. I, I don't understand the Bible. I understand that. You're not a Christian, right? Oh, no, I've been saved for years. No, no, you just said you can't understand the Bible. That, that would indicate you don't have the teacher. The, the Holy Spirit said he teaches what God revealed. Well, I, I just don't get it. Did you know what? The preacher doesn't get it. Sometimes I have to get alone. Sometimes the messages I do never come until I get on my knees and say, God, this passage is not opening up. I'm not getting it. And many a time on my knees, I start scribbling out the outline because the Spirit starts teaching me. Sometimes I read all the commentaries. I read this one, and I still don't, I don't get it. Because I got to get alone, be quiet before God. What are you saying, Spirit of God? What do these words mean? And he teaches me. But as a natural man, without the Spirit, we're just talking a bunch of gobbledygook down here. They're out of their head. They're talking another language. Yeah, we are. We're talking spirit language. We're talking divinely revealed thoughts with divinely revealed words that only the Spirit of God can enable you to get. And if you don't get it and you're not a believer, we're praying that the Spirit will show you your need of Christ, that you'll come to Christ, and you don't realize it. This moment you receive Christ, someone else moves in, the Holy Spirit. He said, from now on, I'm going to unlock the key to this hidden mystery in my word. I'm going to make you understand it. Even the book of Revelation, I'm going to make you understand it. Now watch. The natural man doesn't get it, but watch as we close here. Watch. The spiritual person, and when you see spiritual in the New Testament, it means the person being influenced by the Holy Spirit. It's not this subjective new age, I'm looking at crystals and I feel spiritual. No, this is the Holy Spirit working on a person. Now watch. Judges all things. And the all things is primarily the scriptures that God's revealed. He's able to discern it. 
and figure out its meaning. But he himself is judged by no one. No one can figure him out, especially an unsaver. What makes you tick? You've changed. You used to be the best party animal we had. What made you change? I'm sitting at the feet of a different teacher. I'm now feeding on different thoughts. I think different. I view life different. Man, you used to be so much fun. What done happened? The Spirit moved in, and he's got a different curriculum than what I used to have. I got a different worldview. I got a different view about morals, a different view about money, a different view about where history's going, a different view about what my purpose is. I got a different view about how I feel about my mom and dad. I got a different view about forgiveness. Oh, I'm no longer a racist, a chauvinist, or a lot of other stuff. What's, what's come over you? God's thoughts taught by God's Spirit is changing the way I think and the way I feel and the way I act. When's the last time you changed any of your behavior because you thought God told you to? See, once in a while, even like a class, I'm teaching some men on Sunday night, and sometimes I'll, I'll hear this a lot through the years. What does Valley Bible teach on that? It doesn't matter. I didn't know Valley Bible wrote the Bible. I don't care what Valley Bible, you want to know what I teach? And you may not care about it, but at least I've looked at the text. And Valley doesn't teach anything. It's people that teach. Edwin Chandra, one of our elders meetings, he said, boy, I get afraid sometimes, Pastor, about the future and, and, and whether we'll still be holding sound doctrine and we better be sure we make these doctrinal statements just right. I said, they're not worth the paper they're written on, Edwin. The faith, churches go into apostasy because people go into apostasy, not doctrinal statements. It's people, men who know the word, men who are teaching the Word and leading their families. I'm going to tell you, we've got to know this stuff and pass it on. Oh, you're, you're pathetic with that. If that's an amen, that's pathetic. <laughs> don't amen if you don't believe it. If you don't believe it, don't. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so is as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Let me ask you a question. What does that mean? We have the mind of Christ. I, I want to poll the conversation. Somebody tell me what they think it means. Huh? I, say it again. Yeah, uh, that's true. Do you think that's what that means? New nature and the Word of God. Okay, new nature, the mind of God, the Father knows, the Son, I believe that, was that the answer? Help me out, Sean. Okay, Jorge. The Spirit. So the Spirit, the Spirit, the new nature. We have the mind of Christ. Does that mean you, does that mean every believer in here, has, let me figure this out, 
every believer in this place today, you have the mind, the thoughts of Christ. Now, uh, let, 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 me, let me mess with you here. So I come up to you, you're a believer. Let, let, let's pick on uh, young folks who, who uh, hormones are intact. Uh, oh, you got a new girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, what's your name? Minnie Lou, okay. Got a brand new pair of shoes, that kind of Minnie Lou, okay. Tell me about Minnie. Uh, does she know Jesus Christ? No, I've been praying to lead her to the Lord. What, by making out? You're going to lead her to the Lord that way? This is called personal evangelism. Real personal. Make out with them and hope you get them into the family of God. Uh, what, what are they, unbeliever? What, yeah, they're not there yet. And how long have you been saved? Oh, about, ah, you know, 20 years. Well, what's the mind of Christ on that decision? You know, in my heart, I've just been feeling. Let me pray about it. Let's see if the mind of Christ comes up. The elevator's stuck. It, it, it's just not getting up there like it used to. Said, so, well, well, let me just let me just say, have you ever read 2 Corinthians 6:14? Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, as some are. For what fellowship does Belial have with Christ? And what fellowship does darkness with light? And what fellowship does a temple prostitute have with a guy that just got saved and gave God his body? What are you mixing it up for? That's the mind of Christ. Wherever God has spoken in his word, that is the... See, I used to make the mind of Christ something like, a, show me, Lord. Show me. I want your mind. Dummy, read the passage. Quit putting hair oil on your, your Bible. Read the passage. This is the mind of Christ. This is the mind. Not, not subjectively. Now when the Spirit teaches you what it said, the Spirit's in you, there's a subjective word called illumination. We'll get to that later in the study. But you first got to start out with truth. Right there. I'm like, I, I, I'm praying about it. Shut up. <laughs> if God has spoken on it, just obey it. And quit saying when you obey, it's victory. It's not victory. It's obedience. Jerry Bridges says, quit calling everything victory. Victory is like a personal triumph. No, I obeyed the mind of Christ. Do you have the mind of Christ? Well, if you have a Bible, and if you have the Holy Spirit, and you will open it, it won't get in there by osmosis. I sleep on it. At night. And some of you say, I don't have time for devotion. I just listen to it. Well, I guess you could do that. That's fine. But, you know, this, I, it, it hasn't got in yet. I'll tell you why. You have to make it a priority because you got to think. He wants to teach your mind. Let me tell you what concerns me about these studies. I, was, I tell you, Sean, we ought to think about having our young people in this series. 
because they don't know squat about Bible doctrine. And I'll tell you what's scary. What scares me in our young people and the faith. My daughter Elizabeth married young, and uh, uh, her husband joined the Navy, and so we let her get married young, uh, eventually moved to Oahu, and in the Navy was at Eva Beach, worked there at Pearl Harbor, and so she enrolls at Hawaii University. Okay, she gets there. This is a pastor's daughter. She gives me a call in her junior years, Dad, I'm losing my faith. I no longer know what I believe. I said, you've been raised by me? And you're saying you're losing your faith? You've been hearing the Bible for 18 years at Valley, and you're telling me. She said, I'm, she started naming these props, and they've got me tied up in knots intellectually. I don't know how to respond. They, they are intellectually, they've got me painted in a corner, and I'm in confusion. Now, this is a pastor's daughter with above average intelligence, believe me. And by the mercies of God, there was a pastor out of Honolulu that was the head of Youth for Christ International, an Indian brother. They brought in another brother who taught apologetics, how to defend your faith, how to deal with agnostics, atheists, and what their arguments and how they set you up. And God used that seminar to put her back on her feet again and how to defend her faith. That's part of my goal in these studies. I'm tired of preaching just nice sermons. Oh, I hope I feel good. We got to think. We, the faith is at, truth is at stake. Truth is at stake. And you're not bringing very many unsaved friends anyway, are you? So I might as well teach the saints why we're saints and what we get. I got the spirit. I've got the mind of Christ. I've got a revealed book. Why do you not know it? Why aren't you doing Bible studies with it? Forget having the gift. You don't need the gift to pass it on. But you can't pass on just empty spaces. You've got to pass on what God's shown you in his word. And you know what? Carolyn reminded me. My daughter graduated valedictorian, and when she got up there, she told them what Jesus Christ had done for her and how Jesus Christ got her through that school and how she graduated and didn't give up the faith. So, young people, you're getting ready to go to school pretty soon, and some pagan unbeliever is going to talk you out of heaven, talk you out of the Bible, talk you out of Jesus, and help you go to hell. But we're here to say God's truth is going to march on, and when the world's on fire, what's been written here will not pass. It will stand the test. It will stand the test, and I have to say, I'm in a fighting mood to teach it, and so get ready. Just call, don't bring any friends in the next few weeks if you can't take it. If it bothers you, that's all right. Buy in with softness, buy in with error, buy in with subjectivism. This is the Word of God, and I want to tell you why we preach it, why we want to live it, why God has backed it. God bless you. You can go. <laughs>